What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday. Far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt, over there is Ryan, and we're going to talk Dynasty for the next hour or so, guys. Let's talk first about the, the, uh, the championship round in the playoffs. Matt, you and I, of course, are Packers fans. Things didn't go our way, of course. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't super stunned. It was really what I was kind of expecting. I was hoping the Packers would play that perfect game. It didn't really happen. And then the Chiefs beat up on the Titans as well. Uh, took care of things in the second half, at least. Looks like a good Super Bowl, right? Yeah, looks pretty exciting. Uh, obviously, I would have rather had the Packers and the, and the, the Chiefs playing. I have a. You know, offensive matchup in there, that's always more fun. But the San Francisco's offense looks pretty good, despite Jimmy Garoppolo only having to throw, what, like eight passes the entire game. Somehow that was enough to to beat the Packers. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, all those turnovers, that that one series in the second quarter, I think it it went uh, three and out, fumble, interception. Like, you just can't beat a team like the Niners uh, uh, with playing like that. You know, they did have score three straight touchdowns in the second half, but we'll talk more about what they need for this offseason coming up in the show, but uh, just kind of disappointing all around for sure. Yeah, it maybe highlighted some of the needs in Green Bay, and we are going to get to the Packers at some point in the podcast, Ryan. Did you have any takeaways from the weekend of football, both as a dynasty owner and just a football fan? Yeah, enjoyed the weekend. Uh, I always hear a lot of people say that's the best weekend or the best day of the NFL season. And uh, I, I tend to agree with that. It, just the back-to-back games at obviously the, the highest level, except for your all's Packers. <laughs> well, the 49ers are, are in a different class than the Packers. The Packers have some moves to make to, to enter that class. Maybe it'll happen, Matt, in 2020. We'll see. Uh, we're going to continue our four-week series, guys, covering all the off-season topics that Dynasty owners should keep an eye on for all 32 teams. We're going division by division. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, a belated congratulations to our guy, Shecky. He took the three of us down once again in the DLF Listener League. Back-to-back champion. Congratulations, Shecky, for winning the Listener League once again. Unfortunately, guys, for those of you that have followed along, we had to say say farewell to three of the owners. We we kind of uh, rotate through the, the three at the bottom, move on. We look for three new contestants. So for those of you that haven't 
been part of this listener league over the last few seasons, there's there's an opportunity to compete against Ryan, Matt, and myself, along with Shecky, the two-time champ, and and some other great listeners in our listener league. And for more on that, what do you got, Matt? Yeah, the way we're going to be giving away these slots this year, uh, we're gonna uh, if, if you're going to cl- go ahead and claim an orphan team this year, anyway, you're going to pick up a new dynasty team. We talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, you can go to safeleaguesfantasy.com/orphans and use the code dynasty d y n a s t y, and that'll get you uh, some kind of something from from safe leagues from our buddy scott fish over there uh they haven't determined exactly what that reward is going to be for using a code uh it could be a future contest some kind of discount on a future in a future season something like that they're still kind of working out the details there but they wanted us to go ahead and get these codes out to you guys um so for our code dynasty uh, everyone that picks up an orphan team this year using our code dynasty you're going to be entered into a drawing to be able to fill one of these three openings that we have in our listener league this is of course assuming that you want to play in the league with us uh, but even if not we appreciate you using that code um, but yeah so this is how we're, you're, you're going to get an opportunity to play with Ryan Dan and myself this year in our listener league so once again go to safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans use the code dynasty and one other quick plug before I throw it back to Dan I am running a Super Bowl squares competition uh, a game rather uh, for for this season uh, in a couple of weeks here uh, for this game against the Chiefs and the C- and the, the Niners for for this game, half of the money is going to go to being paid out to you guys. Half of the money is going to go to saving wildlife in Australia who is suffer, who are suffering from all of those gigantic forest fires over there right now. Some of you might remember all the forest fires that happened in California over the last couple of years. Last year, or in twenty eighteen, there, there was one called the campfire that burned up an entire town called Paradise, California. This these ones over in Australia, they're they, they're saying they're eight times as big as that fire that basically destroyed a whole town so i'm trying to use my my uh leverage here as a, as a dynasty analyst and following on twitter to kind of help out you guys know that i'm a zookeeper in real life so animals is another thing that i'm pretty passionate about so if you want to get in on that it's ten dollars a square half of the money is going to australia half of the money will go back to you guys and payouts uh so follow my uh you can go to my twitter account at matt price ff it's my pen tweet if you want to find out more uh also if you can reach out to me at twitter and uh, i can give you more details on that yeah, so I before we get to the meat of the show, and Matt, that's a that's a great idea, great thing that you're doing. I suggest to everybody to to check Matt out on Twitter to do that. Um, last thing about that listener league, we said congrats to Shecky. Um, we can't let him get three in a row. <laughs> Seriously, and, and more than anything, uh, the first three titles since we started this thing. So we need some we need some some guys that really want to come in and take this league over by storm. We got to take Shecky down. You can take us down. Ryan, uh, one of the best dynasty guys out there, Matt, same thing myself. I I like to uh, hang out with these two. Uh, One of us got to take down Shecky. So Shecky sincere congratulations, but we're coming for you next. Hey, Hey Dan, where did Ryan finish in this league? You know, I'll let Ryan handle that. I don't know if I should comment or speculate on where Ryan ended up. Seriously, he's good, guys. He's good at Dynasty. Not uh, not based on this league, I'm not. I'm <laughs> Had some rough luck. You know, we did that startup or, or the series of startup drafts. A uh, lot of luck-based stuff that happened there. Ryan's digging himself out of a hole right now. Uh, rebuild, indeed, for Ryan McDowell in the Listener League. But enough of that. Let's get to the to the brute, the the what we really came here to talk about, guys. Um, we already covered the AFC and NFC East. 
as long as as well as the AFC and NFC South over the last couple of weeks. You can go back and check those episodes out if you'd like. We're gonna continue this week with the AFC and NFC North, and and let's start on the AFC side, guys. Matt, I want to start with you again. We're 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 talking about off season questions that that dynasty owners are thinking about with each NFL franchise. And then we're also going to mention an ADP riser and a faller. Ryan will bring those for us. Let's talk about the Ravens, a team that a lot of us expected to still be playing right now. Uh, The rise of of Lamar Miller, the MVP season that he had, there are some question marks, especially on that offense, more weapons for Lamar. Will some of these weapons that, that have kind of been lurking, will they rise up and, and become bigger parts of this offense, bigger parts for dynasty owners as well? Matt, what would you say would be the biggest question mark for dynasty owners when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens in 2020? Yeah, this is an offense that's obviously really young. You know, Lamar Jackson took a huge step forward in year two, and uh, we hope he continues to take a step forward. It's going to be awful hard to, to do to outperform what he did in, in 2019, but uh, we think he can do it, of course. Um, but a young set of receivers, rookies they drafted last year with Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin, who I think both should take a step forward. Obviously, the tight end, Mark Andrews, he kind of broke out this year. Uh, the, the the piece that I think we're missing, though, is, is a running back they selected in the 2019 draft, Justice Hill. You know, they did sign Mark Ingram last year, and he's going to be around again in 2020. But this Justice Hill guy, he's, he's a very exciting player, and, and I'd like to see him do more. So my question for the Ravens this offseason is justice hill going to become a contributor both in terms of nfl and in terms of fantasy for 2020 last year he only had 58 carries for 225 yards two touchdowns uh just eight uh, just eight receptions on 15 targets for 70 yards so really kind of an afterthought uh, the most the most uh touches he had in a game was 11 i believe and back in, in week 17 uh, so they kind of got him on the field there at the very end of the season. Prior to that, I don't think he had more than five carries in a single game. So uh, just just not really that involved for for a, a a player that it seemed that the team really liked. A team that a player that dynasty owners certainly like, especially for his PPR capabilities. Um, so we'll be looking to see if he can kind of step up. Uh, it seems like Inger's probably going to have a similar role, but hopefully they'll be able to incorporate Justice Hill more in the offense for 2020. So uh, I know we're not doing buys and sells here, but I think Justice Hill is absolutely a buy heading into the 2020. We did that buy and sell series throughout the season. Justice Hill's name came up a couple of times throughout the year, Ryan. We were talking about Hill as a guy you should be buying. He's going to get his opportunity at some point, if not in 2019, which obviously didn't happen. But in 2020 or maybe even beyond that, Mark Ingram just turned 30. He's on the wrong side of that big 3-0, Ryan. What are your thoughts on Hill, first of all? becoming a contributor in 2020 and then secondly that ADP riser or faller out of Baltimore who's that going to be yeah I really like Hill as a buy as well and and I do expect to see his role increase I think once he was drafted by the Ravens not that anybody expected him to overtake Mark Ingram as the starter there but um, certainly expected him to play a bigger role even as a rookie than he did. I think what we probably didn't take into account, at least not enough, was the play of Gus Edwards and the role of Gus Edwards. And uh, he certainly was a surprise in that offense. And it's it's really hard to see them doing anything different next year than they did uh, this season because it did work so well. And we know Lamar Jackson's going to take uh, a big chunk of that rushing offense as well. The thing I think that 
that Hill has going for him is is that he can be that that pass catching back, that playmaking back out of the backfield. So I, I do expect his role to increase, and I, I think that ultimately comes at the expense of Mark Ingram, which is why uh, he would be the player I expect to fall and lose some value over the off season. He was the RB eleven on the season, certainly a big surprise the way he performed. And of course, his value has already shot up uh, in a major way because of that. He entered the season as the RB32 and 83 overall in our ADP. He's currently 66 overall, so has moved up nearly two rounds. And he's the RB26. Uh, but when you look at some of the uh, some of the players behind him, I, I see some players who could could potentially leapfrog him. And then, again, you think about those incoming rookies, and I would think we would at least have five or six or seven of those 2020 rookie running backs who will be valued higher than Mark Mark Ingram. So almost as, as a default, he's going to fall uh, potentially out of the top 30 dynasty running backs, according to our ADP. Yeah, and then we talked about his age and and kind of what happens with those running backs that near get near four or thirty years old. Now he's over thirty. While he's in that offense that's dynamic and and he had that huge season, you said running back eleven on the year. The expectation is not only that Hill creates that bigger role for himself, but that that just simply Ingram wears down a little bit faster. Maybe maybe he takes a step back in that offense. And if that happens, if you have Ingram on your roster, it feels like it, it's time to, if you haven't already, it's it's time to move on, get what you can out of him. Justice Hill is, is certainly on the come. He's a guy that is moving up, moving up draft boards and startups everywhere. So uh, I have Hill in a few places. Matt, you mentioned it. He's a buy everywhere. Uh, I wish I had him in more for sure. Let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers guys. And, and Matt, I want to bring you back for, for the, the off season question that is looming in Pittsburgh. What dynasty owners should be thinking about there? Yeah, I think we have to write off the, the entire 2019 season for the Steelers offense, to be honest with you, you know, Ben Roethlisberger went out way early, way too early in the season. We were dealing with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph and, and hoping that Mason Rudolph's connection with James Washington would kind of come to fruition from, from back from when they were in college together. It uh, just never really happened. So uh, Juju kind of disappointed. Uh, James Conner certainly disappointed. If, 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 if we had to make an argument for who kind of kind of increased their value, or at least in terms of what we saw on the field, I think James Washington and and uh, Deontay Johnson both you know made themselves look pretty good and and and, and are going to be a valuable part of this offense in the future. But it's clear that their values were not completely unlocked by the quarterback play in that offense. So, question for me this offseason is the, the return of Roethlisberger going to just fix this passing offense? Is that really all it's going to take for this aging quarterback who you know we, we've loved and dynasty for a long time now but another year older another injury is he the answer is he going to fix this offense it's a it's a big question indeed and ryan we should bring you in right now as well because you listed the adp riser out of pittsburgh being ben roethlisberger which is a little bit counterintuitive not usually something that you see in the dynasty rankings especially early in the offseason because quarterbacks that are in their high 30s they don't typically move up the ranks they typically move down until the season kicks off what are your thoughts about Roethlisberger first of all uh improving the well-being of this offense in a whole and especially those pass catchers and then second 
excuse me. Secondly, why is Roethlisberger the guy that you think is going to move up draft boards during this offseason? Sure. So Roethlisberger kind of has a, a couple different things going for him. As you mentioned, typically we expect in the offseason those veterans, no matter what position they play, to lose some dynasty value, to drop in ADP and uh, potentially become uh, buy candidates because of that. Uh, but we know, as as Matt talked about, Roethlisberger essentially missed the entire season, uh, uh, all but one game, I believe. And uh, because of that, we've already seen the the big fall from for him. Um, he entered the season at 174 overall, night, uh, quarterback 19. He dropped five spots, quarterback 24 and 198 overall right now. So he dropped two two full rounds, five spots among quarterbacks. And I think we're just going to start to see some some overcorrection of that. Lots of uncertainty at that uh, in in that range of our uh, of our rankings and of ADP. Some of those veterans that have been in that range, of course, guys like Brady and Philip Rivers, uh, are are certainly losing value. While Ben, I think, has uh, has a chance to gain value just just through being healthy. So. We'll see if uh, if he is set to return. I think there's actually still a few questions about that, but it kind of feels like the the Steelers' offense actually have fewer questions uh, coming out of the 2019 season than they had uh, this time last year. With of course the uncertainty about Antonio Brown and and who would step up at the receiver position. While while Juju disappointed, I think they can look at the their top three wide receivers and and feel pretty good about that group. Uh, and so if Ben is healthy, you know I, I think they they kind of have a good feeling for what they're where they're going to be in twenty twenty. Yeah, and that, you know like Matt said earlier, this isn't a buys and sells type episode, but it does feel like Roethlisberger is a buy for for those reasons. It seems like if we were talking about buys and sells in Pittsburgh, that maybe Juju would fall on that list as a buy as well. For those of you that feel like he's going to rebound and have that big comeback after Roethlisberger returns. There are, the Steelers are a fascinating team. There are a lot of question marks with that offense, James Conner and all the injuries. There's a lot of things happening in Pittsburgh and and we're going to see those puzzle pieces go into place over the next few months. I think, Pittsburgh is going to is going to create some big opportunities for dynasty owners in 2020 which could create some big windows for us this offseason to to try to add these guys in and uh really profit off of them in 2020 and beyond. Let's go to their uh Division rivals. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns, Matt. What's the offseason question in Cleveland that Dynasty owners should be thinking about? Yeah, will the coaching chains get the Cleveland offense going in 2020? I mean, we all went into 2019 having extremely high expectations, probably too too hyped up for this offense, to be honest. After the Odell Beckham trade, we, we immediately anointed Baker Mayfield as the king of fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, OBJ was going to get out of the shadow of Eli Manning and that Giants front office, you know, and it was, it was all looking rosy. But uh, it didn't really happen for us. And one of those reasons probably was, was the fact that the, the play calling, 
thing. The offensive scheme was not great with Freddie Kitchens. One one mystery for me, honestly, you guys, is they hired Todd Munkin from from Tampa Bay uh, the previous year, who put up an incredible offense uh, that 2018 Tampa Bay team, and it never really seemed like they wanted to completely hand over the reins to him. Now he's the offensive coordinator at Georgia University, so uh, University of Georgia. So that that's such a weird thing. They go out and they hire Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota, who you know helped institute that running game in in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook. But you know we don't really know what Kevin Stefanski is going to bring to the table there. We know he likes to run the ball a lot, but uh, the Vikings also brought in uh, Gary Kubiak, who who is really the kind of the orchestrator behind the scenes for that offense, and and really that's the the scheme that they run ran. So you know what does that mean for Nick Chubb? You would have to think it's going to be in positive things. Kareem Hunt, you know, is he going to be back, uh, and how are they going to implement him in that offense? If they do it the way that uh, uh, they, they they played in Minnesota, then it's probably just going to be a one back offense for the most part. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kareem Hunt there as well. But that coaching staff, that coaching change over, and, and what they're going to do with the talent on this offense is really the biggest question, I think, as we enter this offseason for the Cleveland Browns. You know, it really feels to me, Matt, like that that coaching change going to Stefanski. There's so many unknowns with that first time head coach. And that's true of most of the coaching changes in the NFL. You know, most of the time it's, it's a new guy. You don't know that much about him. Well, Stefanski did call the plays that felt to me like a Mike Zimmer kind of offense. He wanted to run the ball. He wanted to limit turnovers, limit those risky type play play calls. It's really an unknown whether, Stefanski is just a product of that system and was forced into that, or if that's what he's taking to Cleveland. So, you know, as Packer fans, you and I watch the Vikings regularly. I live in South Dakota, so I talk Vikings all the time. And there are Viking fans that are glad to get rid of Kevin Stefanski. There's others that really feel like, man, he was the brains of the operation. We needed to keep him in place. So it seems like a coin flip to me. I I don't really know what to feel um, and Ryan, you can comment on this as well. The Stefanski hire, is it a good one or a bad one for all these playmakers in Cleveland? And how much have, can you take away from his time with Zimmer in Minnesota and what he'll be able to bring to that Cleveland offense? Yeah, I feel like everything with this, with this coaching staff points to a big year, another big year for Nick Chubb. Uh, it, it was when they went to when the Vikings went to Stefanski and away from from their previous OC, I believe was that DiFilippo, I think. Um, it was at that point where they basically started relying on that running game uh, a year and a half ago or so, and, and we've seen what Dalvin uh, Dalvin Cook was able to do since then. Uh, and then now with the Browns, he he retained the Browns running back coach, who that was while while everything else was going wrong this past year. It was the running game, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who uh, who were productive. So keeping the running back coach, I believe that's Stump Mitchell. Keeping him on the staff is a good thing. They also just hired uh, Bill Callahan as their offensive line coach. We know what he did with the Redskins, or at least attempted to do, and it was run the ball a million times a game. So all of that uh, collectively tells me that's what they want this offense to be. They want it to be built around Nick Chubb and I think that's what we'll see I, I don't think that's necessarily bad news for for Beckham or Landry or Mayfield but I do think just as we saw in Minnesota that's going to be that's going to be the the first part of the plan is to get the running game going so you mentioned Chubb as as really a beneficiary 
in this offense. But but the other half of that that backfield tandem, at least in the second half of 2019, Ryan was Kareem Hunt, who Matt, Matt mentioned as well. Lots of question marks with him going into 2020. Uh, speculation about where he's going to play and how effective he's going to be and, and what kind of offense would be ideal for him. Your thoughts on Kareem Hunt, because you have him as an ADP riser. I do. I think he's got the chance to really gain uh, a ton of value this offseason. We've already seen him moving up the uh, up the boards in ADP. He entered the season as the 91st player overall in the RB36. Of course, he was staring down a, a suspension to start the season. That was a great time to buy him. Basically, since then, he's been steadily gaining value. He's now the RB24 in our latest ADP and 62 overall. Um, there's there's still a little confusion, honestly, about his his free agent status. I've seen some websites call him a, an unrestricted free agent, and, and others call him restricted still. So uh, I guess we'll know more in in a few weeks when free agency really hits. But I I, I do think it's uh, the expectation that he'll be playing for a new team, and and that's what really gives him the opportunity to gain some value is is if he can move back to a team that gives him an opportunity to be on the field for every down. Ryan, this is an interesting topic and maybe we probably maybe we don't have enough time to really talk about it because you're the guy that regularly preaches to our listeners about this new this class that's coming in and and how there are mo- most of these running backs they're getting bumped down these these current veterans those guys that are already on teams well now Kareem Hunt really mixes into the that group of rookies that are entering the league and they're not going to all fall in ideal landing spots but but many of them will many of them will will find their way into a lead back role when you mix Hunt into that it's it's it feels to me like a little bit of a contradiction like like you feel like like Hunt's got to find a spot and all these rookies have to find a spot obviously not not every not everybody's going to find a place in the pecking order and a place to to be that lead guy where does Hunt really mix in with these these really rookies these these other free agents the other guys that are going to get mixed into the league uh among those rookies that we're we're about to talk so much about over the next few months yeah i think that's a great point and and it's not just hunt uh it's it's melvin gordon who is a free agent and expected to move on as well and um and there's a couple of others whether it whether they're free agents or whether they're eventually going to be uh cap casualties i mean Le'Veon bell could could end up on the market and Kenyon drake is a free agent as well he obviously ended the season uh on a hot streak so there's there's a crowded uh running back group right now when you combine free agents and uh, uh, and these incoming rookies. And when you think about Hunt, I, I do expect him to land uh, land a job. I do expect him to gain some value. But if you're thinking from an NFL uh, general manager or, or a team perspective, this is a guy who is uh, obviously has some trouble in his past. He's We would assume he's going to cost more than, than a, a rookie salary would. And Maybe maybe that's a guy a lot of teams just want to avoid. So it'll be a it'll be a fun situation to watch play out. Yeah, and that's why I really asked the question, Ryan. My point exactly was was with Kareem Hunt. There's risk involved in investing with that with that ADP that's rising for sure. So so buyer beware just a little bit because those not only are those rookies coming, but he has he has a little bit of a pass that could could muddy the water a little bit and and could 
could make any team that invests in him want to hedge just a little bit, have another guy available, and that guy could cut into that workload that you expect Hunt to get. Let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals, guys, the team with the number one pick in the NFL draft. And, Matt, I, I really need to know from you, we're, we're expecting this change at quarterback. We're expecting Joe Burrow, or at least most are expecting Joe Burrow, to be on our center for the Bengals in 2020 and beyond. There's this, this feeling among most dynasty owners and I think all football fans that – that in Cincinnati, things just don't work out. It's hard to trust Cincinnati players when you're when you're playing fantasy football. It's hard to get excited about their upside overall because of, of how many seasons they've been just down in the dumps. Does the change at quarterback for you impact your feelings about the skill players in Cincinnati going forward? Yeah, you know, it does. I want to have optimism about this team. You know, it seems like it's got to be Joe Burrow at this point coming off a season where he threw 60 touchdowns against just six interceptions. Um, And again, not a buy a sell episode, but I kind of want to buy all of the players on this offense. I, I think it is really going to help them. It might, it might take a year or two, I guess, for, for Burrow to really kind of kind of blossom. It's a, it's obviously a very tough position to transition to from college, but he did do it in the sec, the toughest division in college football, uh, toughest conference in, co- in college football. Um, and I, I want to have hope. I, you know, AJ green, like hopefully he'll be healthy this year. You know, there'll be some optimism with the quarterback and throw the ball downfield in, in Joe Burrow. Uh, Andy Dalton, I think, gets a little bit of a bad rap, and he's not nearly as bad as we think he is. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's it, it's clear that they're going to move on. They've already put out a press release that they're not even really going to field offers for the number one pick. And you know, who knows at this juncture, maybe somebody comes in and just gives them an offer they can't refuse. But it really feels like it's going to be Burrow. Uh, and if it's not, maybe one of these other quarterbacks. You know, once we get through the evaluation process, they decide it's not Burrow. Uh, we've we've seen these quarterbacks that have one year as a starter. Uh, you know sometimes not really work out in the NFL, like Mitchell Trubisky. So, so just as good as Burrow was last season uh, for LSU, you know, there is a chance that he may disappoint in year one and, and maybe maybe longer than that. But right now I have a lot of optimism for this. I think this entire offense is undervalued, especially A.J. Green. Uh, you know, someone, again, who missed the entire offseason is going to be was 32 entering 2020 season. So certainly an older guy, but we have seen these guys like Julio, guys like Fitzgerald, you know, these, these really elite talents at wide receiver can continue to produce into their early to mid 30s so he's a guy that I think we're going to be able to have at least one to two years of production out of uh, at a high level if the quarterback situation works out and of course if the health works out and then you know Joe Mixon I know he's been rising back up the board based on what he did last at the end of the, uh, the 2019 season but even he feels a little bit undervalued right now we saw Joe Burrow's quarterback in college Clyde Edwards Hilaire catch I think 50 balls last year so uh, you know no, no disrespect to him but Joe Mixon one of the best receiving backs the NFL so you know you could see that PPR aspect of his game really increase again with Burrow under center there so I am optimistic I, I it does change my opinion you know if they get this young exciting quarterback in there uh, they have that uh, the, the the offensive minded coach and and Zach Taylor that that you know we we still don't really know that much about we know that he's a Sean McVay guy but that's really all we know and the offense this year was was not impressive in all in, in many regards but you know that offensive line was horrible too so it, it may take that help uh, as well for for that young quarterback. So hopefully they'll be able to take care of that issue also. But simply put, yeah, I think it does change my opinion about basically every skill position in Cincinnati. You know, Matt, it it changes mine slightly. I've, I've been the Joe Mixon guy for a long time. I, I really like his game. In fact, I, I think there's a very good chance that he is – 
a top three talent at running back in the NFL. A very good chance. He he might be the best running back in the NFL. He's just buried behind this awful offensive line and with no skill players around him, especially in 2019 with A.J. Green banged up. And, and you know, it, it really depends on, you know, I, I believe A.J. Green is is an impending free agent. We have, we have some question marks there. Will he be back? Will he be somewhere else? Do we want him back even as dynasty owners? That's a question that, that is looming in Cincinnati for sure. Uh, Matt, I want to clear one thing up though. You did mention that Joe Mixon is one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. It's clearly he's, he's one of the best running backs as well. Uh, we, we don't want any, any, any question marks there, right? Sure. Thank you. Ryan, let's bring you in here. Uh, Comment on Burrow, comment on the rest of the offense if you want, but really we need that ADP riser or faller out of something. Sure. So this is one, I kind of had a hard time with this team, honestly, because we already, we have seen, as Matt alluded to, we've seen Mixon uh, first fall in ADP and in dynasty value at the start of the season and then rise back up probably to where he should be. Uh, same similar story with Tyler Boyd. I, I had a hard time identifying a player that I was pretty confident would either rise or fall in, in ADP in the coming months. So I defaulted to AJ Green with the expectation that his value had greatly fallen due to that injury, due to missing the entire season. And then I checked out the numbers. His preseason ADP was 78 overall. He was the wide receiver 40. His current numbers, 86 overall and wide receiver 41. So he has essentially maintained his value throughout that missed season. And now I'm not sure what to do with AJ Green. He's he's we did this a little bit with uh, with our our shows throughout the season that sometimes we just had players we were a little uncertain on uh, how to how to treat them in our dynasty leagues. And at this point, Green is one of those for me. Yeah, he's an interesting name, no doubt. We mentioned his age, whether he's going to be back in Cincinnati or not. Uh, all those question marks make make you kind of wonder. Matt, I want to bring you in on this. If if he moves on, if or if he becomes that free agent, if he's testing the free agent waters, and we don't know where he's going to land, are you investing if you're a contender? Is that a guy that you want to plug in, especially if you're making him your wide receiver two or wide receiver three on a contending roster? Yeah, but I, I just don't think you have to make him that high. I think you get him for a mid-second in almost every case right now. You know, that, I think that's going to change, obviously, as we get closer to the season and depending on landing spot. But, I mean, again, we, we can't trust anything these guys say, really, but he has been on record several times saying that he wants to stay in Cincinnati. So I kind of feel like unless the team just doesn't want to give him any money then and they want to come in with a youth movement, that he's going to be back there. But, you know, it, it it's hard to envision too many worse scenarios than Cincinnati, you know, so I think that I'm a buyer of AJ Green this offseason for contending teams, regardless of the fact what you're going to get towards that mid to late second round, I don't think is going to be able to compete with the production that you're going to get from AJ Green for at least the next season or two. Again, depending on health and landing spot, of course, but he's definitely a guy that I would like to buy this offseason. And I think a second round pick gets it done right now. Yeah. 
and, and as far as health, he has to be healthy in 2020. If you take the whole year off, you should be able to come back from anything that's ailing you. Guys, before we get to the NFC North, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on over at DLF, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. It is Monday right now while we're recording, and today was a pretty exciting day at DLF. We had our rookie rankings go live, and we're talking 2020 rookie rankings. Guys like DeAndre Swift. Jonathan Taylor, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, J.K. Dobbins. Head over to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Find out where all these guys are ranked. You want to know who has Henry Ruggs outside of the top 10? Well, you can find out over there. You want to find out there's one guy that has Tyler Johnson, the Minnesota wide receiver, in their top 10 overall. Go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Click the subheading. Click 2020 rookie rankings find out all our rookie rankings get ready for those rookie drafts that are coming up guys let's talk about the nfc north we're going to start in green bay and let's start with you ryan how about an adp riser or faller for the packers this is another one i had a little trouble with honestly just because the packers don't have that many fantasy relevant players right now we're talking about the big three of aaron Rodgers, aaron jones Devonte adams and after that i'm not sure there's any players really even even worth the roster spot outside of your your deep dynasty league so i'm I'm looking at aaron jones only because he's gained such value we see uh we see those running backs who produce and and kind of break out sometimes fall uh and and lose some value in the offseason i could see that happening with jones he went from 33 overall and the rb 16 up to 20 overall and the rb 11 so he's going to cost you a second round pick Uh, second round startup pick to obtain him that still feels a little rich for me so i could see that falling not far but maybe maybe down to the mid third round and ryan i I think there's probably a case to be made by at least by some with all the touchdowns of the production that that some may say there that jones is a riser he could he could move up um i'm not gonna make that case for sure i think all dynasty owners will probably make the case though ryan that that the biggest riser in green bay is probably a guy that isn't on the roster just yet most likely the packers will use a one of their first two picks in the nfl draft on a playmaker probably a wide receiver that guy's gonna move up draft boards rapidly right yeah i would think so i've i've looked at uh, a few different mock drafts and of course they're uh, every time you turn around, there's a new mock draft out. Uh, but several of them recently have had, as you said, the Packers taking a wide receiver, specifically a speed wide receiver, a guy like Brandon Ayuk uh, from Arizona State. I've seen projected twice to the Packers now, uh, which is is a little surprising to see him land in the first round. But I do think they have to uh, – they've got to get that playmaker, that speed guy who can can really make an impact on that offense. Matt, we're Packer fans. We we watch these playoff games. We watch the entire season outside of Devontae Adams. There wasn't much on the outside. Lots of drop passes. Seemed like maybe even the interception the other night in San Francisco that, that Rodgers threw, that was a miscommunication. The receiver, Allison, wasn't really looking. Those are the t- types of things that we're, we're, we're hoping get – get changed in green Bay with that offense. And, and in this small window that we have with Aaron Rodgers 
under center. I think the offseason question is pretty clear with that 30th pick, maybe even into the second round, maybe even beyond that. A few years ago, they took three wide receivers in the draft when they're trying to supplement the rest of that roster with some talent on the outside. With that 30th pick and, and beyond, what playmaking wide receiver will the Packers add that can make an impact for dynasty owners. Yeah, I mean, the, the last three seasons, it's been all defense, both in free agency and in the draft. You know, we haven't helped out Aaron Rodgers at all. It's almost like they're they're a little bit cocky, you know, like, oh, we got Aaron Rodgers. We don't need to have any secondary weapons for him in the passing offense. It's just going to work out. He's going to do the thing. And we've, we, we've seen that that hasn't worked out. They tried to dress it with tight end position. Jimmy Graham, like, he, he showed up some in the playoffs, but obviously was not a, really a factor at all during the regular season. So it's, it's time. If, if, if they don't start building up this offense, then uh, they're going to be – I mean, we've talked about it for years now that they're, they've wasted Aaron Rodgers' prime, right? And, and it continues to be that way. And we can't even say he's in his prime anymore. He's at the back end of his career, clearly need some help out there with the offense yeah they they spent those those picks on, on those three receivers but what were they six six round picks you know like we're not really equinamia st brown is, is you know rest in peace he's not helping us out marquis valdez scandling not working out um so you know you hope that they do spend that first round pick and maybe even a second round pick on, a, on some kind of offensive weapon for rogers uh, i don't know if he's going to get to a guy like uh you know like cd lamb or jerry judy these guys at the top of the draft and i'm not even sure that those are the best fits you know we don't have that that really fast guy like like Ryan mentioned so maybe a guy like Harry Henry Ruggs or or Jalen Rager or, or, or is a guy that we should be looking at you know if not in the first round with those guys then certainly in the second round uh, whether we have to make a move back up you know trade back from the 30th pick you know into the middle of the second round to, to to make it kind of match up with with draft value there with some of those later wide receivers uh, but it's clear that they have to do something they have to add somebody it can't just be Devontae Adams and you know 100 targets for him every single game but Allison hasn't stepped up MVS has not stepped up. They, they need somebody clearly in this offense to help take the pressure off of Devontae Adams. Yeah, and like I mentioned, that guy's going to move up draft boards. Maybe it is one of the big names, the guys that are already going to be drafted near the top of those rookie drafts that we're all getting ready to get so excited about. Um, but if it's not, it, that, that guy could move up relatively quickly because the Packers are just bleeding for a, a playmaker on offense, whether that comes in free agency, the draft, or, or maybe even both. There, there's room for that Packers offense to grow if they have the right weapons in place. Matt, let's send it right back to you for that off-season question that dynasty owners are thinking about in Minnesota with the Vikings. Yeah, this is a team that it feels stuck. You know, they lost their offensive coordinator, Stefanski, but you have to assume they're going to want to do the same thing, run the ball and play defense. That seems to be the MO of every Mike Zimmer team, right? So, uh, the question is, uh, can they really keep this band together, you know, past 2020? Uh, both Cousins and Dalvin Cook are entering the final year of their contract. It seems weird to say that with Cousins. He feels like he just signed that, you know, that huge guaranteed contract and he was going to be the savior that finally led this team uh, to a Super Bowl. But it, it clearly isn't happening. Lots of inconsistent play there. You know, Thielen hurt most of this season, so he wasn't too much of a contributor. Uh, and Diggs, you know, just inconsistent. And blame it on Diggs, blame it on Cousins, blame it on whoever. Uh, but uh, it it's, it's clear that something needs to change, but it doesn't feel like anything's going to change. So for me, the, the question really is, is, you know, should they really keep this together or is it time to move on? Because Cousins is probably going to cost you another $30 million a year. And is that really doing you any favors uh, for the rest of your team? The, the offensive line played better, but still was an issue uh, in terms of pass protection. Obviously, they did very well on the ground game of protecting for, for Dalvin Cook. But uh, it, it seems it seems. Uh, 
I, I'm glad. Let's just say I'm glad I'm not a Vikings fan because I wouldn't want to pay thirty million dollars to cousin and also give Dalvin Cook uh, a huge contract. Who again, he stayed healthy for the most part of this year, but uh, you know, to give a guy like Dalvin Cook, you know, fifteen to twenty million dollars a year too, something like that, that's probably what he's going to be looking for, especially if he has another season like he did in 2019 and 2020. So not a great spot to be in if you're a Viking. So question for me is, do you sign both of these guys and keep this this team together as 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 it stands right now? Matt, I'd throw the head coach Mike Zimmer into that group as well. You know, he's so he's so laid back. He wants to play defense. He he wants to run the football. He doesn't want to be risky at all. And I don't know how much that that really necessarily fits into what dynasty owners want out of a, an explosive offense. Even though Cook owners did just fine throughout the season. Ryan, let's talk about that ADP riser or faller for the Vikings. I think it has to be Adam Thielen. Uh, he entered the season. As the wide receiver 12, which which just felt like a trap at the time. Sometimes we look back at those those values and those ADPs, and it's it's understandable, even though it looks a little bit uh, a little bit off. But I mean, it, it was easy to see at that point that he should not have been valued as a low end wide receiver one. Now he's all the way down to wide receiver 25. And looking at some of the players behind him, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Terry McLaurin, uh, Marquise Brown he could easily fall a lot further this offseason, and that's not even factoring in those rookies that we talked about a little bit. Uh, guys like C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, uh, I think, will certainly be valued ahead of him and, and maybe even more. So uh, Thielen has already been free-falling after his, uh, his disappointing season, missed a ton of games, and I, I think he falls more before the 2020 season begins. Oh, man, you'd, it'd be hard not to trade – Adam Thielen for any of those guys you just listed that are below him in ADP. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears guys. And and Ryan, I want you to talk about an ADP riser for the Bears that when, when you listed him, I raised an eyebrow. Yeah, this one this one might just be more of wishful thinking on my part. I want to look at Tariq Cohen here. Uh, the Bears have made uh, a couple changes on their coaching staff already, including uh, – Hiring a new offensive coordinator, Bill uh, Lazor, formerly of the Bengals. We did see him get uh, Joe Mixon involved in the passing game, as we already talked about. So I, th- I think as as frustrating as, their, as the Bears' offense was last year, uh, especially the, the running back play between Cohen and David Montgomery, I, I think it has to improve. I was really surprised to see that uh, that Cohen was still the RB27 this past season. So still a, a mid-range RB3 or, or a decent flex option. It didn't really feel that way to me. He certainly lost some value, ended the season as the RB29 in our ADP, currently the RB42. Uh, I, I could see him gaining some value. It may not even be the offseason. May, we may have to wait until the season begins, and hopefully he can find a more consistent role in this new offense. Yeah, as a guy that was invested in Cohen, it never felt good putting him into your lineup. He never had that weak winning type game that we saw earlier in his career. Hopefully things change there. Matt, how about an off-season question going on in Chicago that Dynasty owners are considering? Yeah, we got to find out if Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy can get this Chicago offense back on track. You know, Nagy was the coach of the year in 2018. It looked like uh, you know, he was the the next Sean McVay, so to speak, right? Uh, but 2019 didn't really work out that way for him. 
it's, it feels like to me, like Trubisky needs to be able to play out of structure and that Matt Nagy just wants to force him to play within structure. When, when he was able to get outside of the pocket and, and use his legs and kind of make things happen on the run, that's when this offense was at the best. And it just seems like they didn't want Nagy to do that and really kind of curbed one of Trubisky's best assets, which is that athleticism. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. If Trubisky is able to, you know, be kind of forced into this, this round hole that, that he doesn't really fit into, or if Nagy's going to loosen up a little bit and let Trubisky play this kind of schoolyard style of football, which is really what, what, where I think he's at his best when he's able to get outside the pocket and, and use that athleticism to, to find the playmakers like Allen Robinson. And hopefully, uh, you know, Anthony Johnson will, will come back and play again and, uh, and, and, uh, Anthony, sorry, Anthony Miller will come back and, and be healthy again this, this season. You know, he really came on a few weeks there towards the end of the 2019 season. So it feels like they have the talent on offense, you know, maybe maybe not the quarterback, uh, but if you let him do what he's good at instead of forcing him to do the things that he's not good at, maybe this offense could take a step forward. Yeah, you know, it. I, I was so impressed with Matt Nagy in that offense, especially early in the season, in his rookie season as a head coach. And, and maybe it's because I'm a Packers fan and I watched that first game and, and he came out gangbusters, all these odd formations and, and really threw off that Packers defense in that first first game opening night against the Packers. And and things just haven't gone that way throughout the season. It seems like when that when the, when the kicker missed that kick in the postseason, that everything went downhill since then. So maybe they get things on track. It seems like Trubisky has been a, in a downhill spiral. We'll see. I tend to feel like the the weapons are in place. He he should be taking the right steps to to make all those make all those things come true for for dynasty owners and and things should be working out. It just. It just hasn't, even with that offensive mind like Nagy and that quarterback that was supposed to supposed to work out so well. Uh, let's talk about the final team we're, we're going to mention here tonight, Matt. It's the Detroit Lions. They hold a top five pick, number three overall in the NFL draft. Stafford, the injury, the coaching staff, all the questions surrounding Patricia and, and all those things. It seems like there's a lot of question marks in Detroit. There's a lot of things that dynasty owners are probably thinking about, whether it's the weapons like uh, Galladay and, and, you know, they invested in the tight end position in the draft last year. I don't necessarily think they're going that way in the draft this year. What question uh, should dynasty owners be thinking about in Detroit this year, Matt? I think it's if they're going to add a running back, either through free agency or the draft. You know, we've talked, we talked a little bit before about how Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, you know, these guys, these guys are Kareem Hunt, potentially, you know, all these guys are, there's going to be a lot of players both in free agency. And then, you know, there's several top options in the draft there. And they did, you know, spend some high draft capital, bringing in carry on Johnson, who I think we, you know, we all like, and it's clear that he's talented, but he has, has had a problem staying healthy. And we knew that coming into his career with Detroit, just 10 games in 2018, his rookie season. And only played in eight games in 2019. So it happened again. Uh, they were struggling to just basically piece together a backfill. We brought in, they brought in guys like Bo Scarborough, who, who kind of finally stuck, Ty Johnson. You know, none of these guys are, are really doing it for us, either for the team or for, for fantasy purposes. So I do think that, you know, there's there's some real risk with carry on Johnson he- heading into 2020 if they bring in another back just 
because they have to, because they have to have somebody reliable behind him uh, and maybe somebody just to spell him. Maybe he's just not the guy that can have that full-time workload. Uh, another risk with Carrion Johnson we saw was that we, we know he's a good pass catcher, but they certainly didn't use him that way. And his rookie season had 32 receptions on 39 targets in 10 games, but that dropped all the way to just 10 catches on 15 targets in eight games in 2019. Uh, and we, we kind of thought the opposite. We saw Theo Riddick disappear. So we thought, oh, you know, full steam ahead with Carry On Johnson. He's going to get the receptions now too to go along with the the bulk of the the rushing. Uh, so and it just didn't happen. So I think there's a lot of risk with Carry On Johnson, whether it's injury related, whether it's them bringing another guy in that's going to going to take some of the workload, whether it's his involvement in the passing game. So he's the biggest question for me. Uh, the the passing offense I'm actually excited about going on into into 2020. I think Matthew Stafford is pretty undervalued right now at quarterback 19. Kenny Galladay probably appropriately valued. You know, Marvin Jones is going to be old, but clearly I think he's going to be productive again so uh the passing offense seems seems like it's a value right now but carry on johnson i think based on all the risk factors that i talked about i think he uh is a little bit scary at his current price tag yeah and that that fear that scare that you mentioned there transfers perfectly to the adp faller in detroit in detroit ryan it does it's carry on johnson and and matt laid out a perfect case of why um the injuries the lack of involvement in the passing game are all concerns and Maybe it's just me being spooked a little bit. I talked about looking at some of those, uh, some of those mock drafts, and again, I've seen multiple, uh, multiple mocks that had the Lions taking a running back uh, on day one or day two. So that would not be uh, a good sign for Carry On Johnson, of course. And and you look at all the potential landing spots; they can't feel they can't feel comfortable with him going into twenty twenty as their. Uh, as their primary back. They've got to add some form of competition. Yeah, they do indeed. Matt mentioned some of the names with Scarborough and Ty Johnson and, and J.D. McKissick was there. And they, they need more depth at the position at the very least. And with Patricia coming off that Bill Belichick tree and, and you know, they, they kind of interchange those running backs and things like that, that's a factor for sure. But Carry on Johnson. I don't think there's a dynasty owner out there that feels really good about Carry on Johnson being in their lineup week one going going into 2020. Certainly don't want him as a running back one going into 2020. Uh, he's more like a flex type option at this point. Uh, Matt, we got a couple minutes here. L- quickly, talk to me about how to get into the DLF uh, Dynasty Podcast Listener League. What do you got to do to do that? Yeah, once again, uh, if you can go to safeleagues.com slash, sorry, safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans, use the code dynasty, D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y, and that will enter you into a drawing to get one of these three remaining spots. Uh, that's that's how you're going to get in this time. You want to take down last place Ryan or third or fourth place Dan and Matt, uh, you go enter that code, you'll get a chance to compete against us and, and get some bragging rights by beating uh, the DLF podcast host. So once again, safeleaguefantasy.com safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans code dynasty uh, when you claim your team no matt it's all about it's not about beating ryan or dan or matt <laughs> it's all about beating shecky in 2020 congrats shecky you gotta go down next year we need some we need a few good men or women to come in here take down shecky in 2020 that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the dlf dynasty podcast we got the afc and nfc west next week so you're we're gonna be talking about those two two teams in the super bowl uh leading up to the big game of course uh for ryan and matt i'm dan thanks for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast we'll catch you again next week